They say never trust a skinny chef, <laughs> but I think you should never trust a chef who doesn't know what the food they're preparing is going to do to your body. 100%. Man, you know, it's uh, it's really weird, too, being a chef and um, going into people's homes, and I'm there to serve you, and then they're always serving me. Like, can I get you some water? Let me adjust. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think here in the South, especially, Southern hospitality, good yeah. manners are reciprocated. So I think the fact that they want to serve you means that you're serving them well. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, though. It's pretty cool. Since you mentioned it, Chef Daniel Knight, thank you for doing the podcast, buddy. Man, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I really am. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we had met once before, but it was such a short amount of time. We really didn't get to know each other very well. So I look forward to us getting able to do that here. So you asked me for some water a minute ago. Yes. And uh, you said room temp. Yes. You don't like cold water or what? No I ice? never have liked cold water. Um, even as a kid, I didn't like ice in my water. And then as I got older and I learned, you know, just about health in general, that the body actually prefers room temperature or slightly warm water over cold water because, you know, you drink the cold water, it shocks all your insides. So now your digestive system is slowing down, your blood flow is slowing down, your heart rate. All of these things are now changing because you went from being 98 degrees to maybe like 94 degrees instantly. Yeah. And so that's that just kind of, yeah, I don't ever drink cold water. Same. I've always preferred it with no ice as well. I like it room temp. I think the reason for me, other than the health reasons, is because I, my wife always makes fun of me because I just chug water. Oh, I don't know if it was because I was in a frat and I got used to chugging or <laughs> what, but I just chug the water. It's like I either chug or I don't drink it at all. So to make sure I get all my water in, I chug it down quick and chugging cold water just hurts. It so does, I always yeah. drink it room temp. I got it, man. Yeah, that's what's up, man. And I want you guys to know that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you find yourself struggling with anxiety, depression, or just feeling stuck in life? Well, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy platform with licensed therapists available to you from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your therapist. Or you can simply message them anytime you need to. No more sitting in traffic, no more waiting rooms, ugh, and no more feeling uncomfortable. And here's the best part. BetterHelp is affordable. Financial aid is available to those who qualify. And our listeners get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Birmingham. Take the first step towards a happier, healthier life with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Birmingham today and get 10% off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Discover Birmingham podcast. Now, back to the show. Talk about the difference between what you do, being a personal chef, mm -hmm. and say a private chef and a restaurant chef. Oh, yeah, great question. So all chefs are should be trained to... Create a menu to procure that menu, mean go out and like source all the ingredients and then prepare it. That's really the essence, you know, of a chef. But you have restaurant chefs who literally they are there to put out this food consistently every single time. So you may go into a restaurant and you not prefer garlic in your mashed potatoes, but the recipe calls for it. So that chef, even though he may have or she may have a vast amount of talent and a vast amount of creativity. They are limited because in the restaurant world, it has to be consistent every single Cookie time. Cookie cutter. Yeah, it has mm -hmm. to be. So I don't care if it's um like Alinea. Shout out to Alinea in Chicago. One of the like I've never been. I've just only seen it, you know. But it's a really cool restaurant. But even if it's like something like that, it's a three star Michelin restaurant, or if it's you know mcdonald's the consistency is all they're looking for so then you go to private chefs and private chefs are going to be hired to work for a family or 
a, a business or whomever. So they're hired to be that person's private chef, meaning that they're going to cook everything just for that family. I don't want to be a private chef just because then I become your employee Mm -hmm. and nothing wrong with being an employee, but I just don't want to pigeonhole myself into only cooking for one family. So as a personal chef, we get this full range of creativity. I get to cook whatever I want for whoever I want, however you like it. Um, I get to give you my interpretations on these menus. So you may like Chilean sea bass is your favorite. So let me give you my interpretation of that. It's going to be, you know, I get to listen to your tell me about your food restrictions or food allergies. and I get to leave those out, play around with different things. So the personal chef, you really get to explore a ton of creativity because even being a private chef, they may want lasagna every Wednesday. They may want it exactly how you did it last mm-hmm. time. I'm glad you mentioned food restrictions and food allergies and everything. I know you have a few food restrictions that I want to get into, but that's more and more common these days. And I don't know if it's that it's actually more prevalent or if it's that it's just more recognized. But so many people now have some kind of food restrictions. Like, oh, I'm gluten free. I'm vegan. I'm paleo. I'm keto. You name it. So whatever it is, you can design a meal based off whatever their restrictions are 100 percent. i uh i had a meal prep client pretty much the only thing that she could eat was turkey salmon and like a few vegetables because of how restrictive it was like no gluten no dairy and she had no idea like what any of this meant she just knew if she ate this she felt sick if i eat this i feel sick And so to really know how to take so butter versus like plant based butter, they function different. I mean, they're the same. But if you don't have the training to know, like I can't cook this vegan butter at the same temperatures as regular butter it's going to burn or what have you. Yeah, there's all kind of nuances. Yeah. What about like a ghee? Is is ghee considered to be vegan? Because, you know, a ghee is clarified butter. So they heat it up and Mm -hmm. they clarify it by scraping off all the dairy solids. So is that considered vegan? Nope came out of an animal yeah it came from an animal so now i can't use it and then like you know you saying that like um all of these food things that are showing up i think it's a combination of two things because i had uh i'm allergic to pork i can't like i can't eat any form of pork man gummies certain jellies have gelatin in them jello i can't eat it has gelatin gelatin is a pork derivative so it's not just pork, it's anything made from pork. Yes. Wow. Yes. Like when I do take any type of supplements, they have to be vegetable capsules. Otherwise, you know, that's the pork gelatin. Product. Yeah. So I can't do it. I get uh, so if I eat consume pork uh, within less than five minutes, it's like I've had the flu for four days. No kidding. No, so you must kidding. be reading those ingredient lists like a fine tooth comb. Yep. Yep. And that's why I don't like eating out. Not that I don't want to eat out, man. I'd love to go eat out, but, you know, it's it's just I just don't want to take that chance. Cause So like you were saying, so these things that are starting to show up. So when I was like seven, by the time I was 10 years old, I realized like I was something was wrong with me when I eat pork. Then I realized like, you know, I would throw up when I would drink uh, fruit punch, red dye 40. So then um, I would feel kind of funny. After eating certain breads, then I realized it's not the it's the it's the bleaching process of the flour that impacts me. It's not unbleached flour. I do fine. Bleached flour. Oh, man, it's just rough. Well, the few things that you've named, I think, are things that really nobody should be eating anyway. I think it's just maybe your body (laughs) is just trained to let you know, like, look, this is not what we need. Right. So um, so by the time I was like 10, I was cooking my own food. I mean, imagine your grandparents are sharecroppers. Uh, so you, you, you dirt poor and they, my grandmother is cooking this, like her smothered pork chops and you're like 10, 11 years old and you like, granny, I'm not hungry. Yeah. Cause yes. that already sounds so good. And you know, all, everything she's making is something that they've grown. Grown. Yep. Granny, I'm not hungry. I'll just eat a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so, um, very devastating for her. Not, you know, when I look back on it, you know what I'm saying? Because like, here I am, quote unquote, your favorite grandchild. I knew that. (laughs) That's an unbiased opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, cousin, if you're watching, y'all know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, but yeah, so it was very, I, you know, just as I got older, man, I just realized how tough it had to be on her for me, like declining your food all the time. 
you know, because at a young age, man, I just realized like it's just not good for me. So as I got older, I found out that I truly had an allergy to pork. So that's when I really just cut it out to get all together. And to this day, I really I don't eat dairy. Seriously. Only thing I may eat with dairy is every now and then I'll have some ice cream or a slice of cheesecake. But then for the next three or four days, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. Worth it, though. Yes. That one. <laughs> Are you? Would you say you're more of a sweet or a salty type person? Uh, savory for sure. Okay. Um, I am not a big sweets guy at all. Um, I love sweets. Like I love um sweet stuff. I would I would prefer to just eat like a bowl of fruit to get my sweet fix than to eat like a candy bar or you know I love I love baked goods, man. Like like danishes and all. But man, it just wrecks my body so yeah, bad. Yeah, you're you're speaking my language. I have a sweet tooth, majorly, maybe a whole mouthful of sweet teeth. But um, if I'm going to go off plan, meaning veer off of how I would normally eat somewhat healthy, it's going to be baked goods. I think probably my favorite treats in town. Have you ever had cookie fix? No. My son loves cookies. Cookie fix? Cookie fix. Downtown Homewood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, They have no affiliation with the podcast. This is a real opinion. They're some of the best cookies I've ever had. And they have a ton of different flavors. And they taste homemade because there's another one that I like called crumble cookies. Yeah. You've heard of that? I have. Yeah. They're good too, but they just have that little hint of a chemical aftertaste because they're more processed. They're not using real homemade ingredients. They're a national chain. So I think they're getting everything shipped in. in. Yeah. But cookie fix is like real, like mom would make if mom was the best baker you've ever had. Okay. Cookie fix. All right. So my son is a uh, huge baked goods fan. Uh, so we're going to go to cookie fix or insomnia cookie. One or the two. Insomnia is good too. And they'll <laughs> deliver it 2am, which is huge. Yeah. So, okay, cool. All right. Got it. That's where we're going today. Yeah. All right. Speaking of cookies, there's another one that was right up there with cookie fix. It's called greenhouse. It's a restaurant in Homewood as well. Okay. They have sandwiches and soups and everything else, but they have some of the best cookies too. They're huge. They're more almost like the size of a biscuit and they're, oh, and they're wow. heavy. They're, the cookie probably weighs a pound. Ah, it's, see. Yeah. That's three pounds So those two recommendations right there. If you get a chance to try one of each, let me know what you think. I will. I will. Man, my, so my son is a uh, is a hamburger purist, meaning that if we go anywhere uh, for a hamburger, he gets only the burger and the bun. Yeah, he's, he's real funny like this. And he is a cookie enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He loves cookies cookies and so uh these places you're telling me um yeah it'll be right up his alley yeah i can't yeah like we're talking about you generally eat pretty healthy it sounds like i do i used Partly to be because three, you have to yeah i used to be 330 pounds what yeah so when i started out um in this personal chef uh business in 2019 i had just gotten married uh march of 2019 and I started this in May. So when I got married, I was like, okay, I, I got to lose some weight. I mean, I think everybody goes through that. I mean, maybe not you, but. No, I was, I was there. Still am. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had gotten up to 3.30. How did I get there? My grandmother passed away. And then right after that, I got divorced. And so I went from about 260 pounds to 3.30 and like overnight it felt like comfort food yeah dude i was just eating and depressed and so once i figured out the depression thing got therapy all that met my new wife got married and then in may i started um started this business and what went through my mind is i was watching uh food network one day and i was watching i'm not gonna name the chef though but i was watching these a chef compete against other chefs and he was he was sweating and he was a larger guy and he sweated in the food <laughs> and i was like oh i never want to be that chef <laughs> i was like i don't want to do that and so that was the only thing that went through my mind when i put on like my chef's coat for the first time and i could and i was looking at how big i was and i was looking at how bad my body was hurting from carrying stuff and how i had to you know, my back is hurting. I'm sweating all the time. I'm tired all the time. So I just decided to really understand food, how it really works at the molecular level. 
And then I apply that to myself, and then I just make sure I serve my clients the same That's way. huge. Yeah. They say never trust a skinny chef, <laughs> but I think you should never trust a chef who doesn't know what the food they're preparing is going to do to your body. 100%. And like, because, like, man, I even break it down to where I don't use shaker seasonings at all, and it's not because they don't taste good. It's because I know that there are fillers in here mm-hmm. that keep it from, from clumping together and then also preserve it. A huge, huge filler is silicone dioxide. Silicone dioxide is known to cause lung cancer. So I know this. I know that this is in these shaker bottles. So why would I buy that and serve it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with flour. I never use bleached flour um, at a at a client's home or in my own home. I'm only using unbleached flour because I found out how it's turned into white flour. It goes through a chemical bleaching process. All of the the health benefits of that of that grain are now gone. So that's um, that's leads straight to inflammation. I don't use white processed sugar because I found out how does white processed sugar? Well, they, they use it. It's a bone charring method. They take the bone char of animals, mostly pork and beef, and they use that to whiten the sugar. So yeah, so now it's like, okay, so that, so then now that I know this, I can't serve you that because I'm not eating it. So I'd never do that to you. Yeah, seriously. Would you ever bake with something like 100% einkorn flour or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, something definitely. Like a healthier version of flour, right? Absolutely, 100%. Katie will bake some treats sometimes and she'll use almond flour or mm-hmm. coconut flour. She's gotten really good at it, so it's almost as good as the real thing, you know. <laughs> and I appreciate that that there are alternatives to, you know, foods that you really like but right. you know are not going to do service to your body. So there's always a way to prepare something that's going to be healthier for your body. For instance, I've been watching this show called uh, Chef versus Snack. You yes, ever heard of that? Good show. Yeah, they made their own versions of Kit Kats, mm-hmm. Gushers, like all the foods that I was eating when I was a kid. You know, because I went through a chubby phase when I was a kid as well, middle right. school before I before I grew tall. Because you know, I go to my grandmother's house, and the first thing we do is go to the grocery store, and I could get whatever I wanted. Because when I was at home. You know, my uh, my parents weren't super health conscious, but they also weren't going to just let me eat anything I wanted. So when I go see my grandparents, it was just like candy bars, cereals, anything like anything that. Anything you want. Yeah. So I'm watching the show and I'm thinking, okay, so there's a way to make a Kit Kat at home out of real ingredients and not just the chemicals and the the fake foods that they use in that. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's um. So that was another man. There's so many people that have influenced me in my life, but I was working at AT AT&T probably 15, 16 years ago. And uh, there was a gentleman, his name Sean Murphy. We were having a potluck at, um, at AT&T. And I was, ro- I was just going to do a roasted barbecue chicken. And I wanted to, I was like, man, but I got to go buy a barbecue sauce. He was like, won't you make your own? And I was like, what? You can make that? <laughs> and he was like, Bruh. he said, you can make anything on the, in a jar that's in a grocery store. They make it. Read the ingredients on the back. And so I was like, what? And so I I mean, it was just mind blowing because, you know, to grow up the way I did to get a barbecue sauce, man, you just went to the store and got it, yeah. you know, to get ketchup. You would just go to the store, you know. So to know, like when he told me that, it's just been gangbusters for me. Like I'm, so I don't. So if you if you hire date night dining, we're gonna make the barbecue sauce. We're gonna make the. If you're gonna get ketchup, I'm gonna make the ketchup. If you got a salad dressing, I'm gonna make the salad dressing. The whole nine. Tell us more about that. So date night dining is the name of the business, mm-hmm. and so what happens? So someone hires you. Do you go to the grocery store, get all the ingredients, go to their house? What, how does that process work? Um, so when you contact us, we uh, we set up a consultation. So during the consultation, it's anywhere from a 15 to 30-minute conversation. It's really about me finding out what the what the event is for, if it's, you know, your anniversary, birthday, whatever the event's for. So who's the guest of honor then? So who, how many guests do you have? Is there somebody in these number of people that you really want to honor. So what is that person like? Cause that's what, we, that's who we need to make this dinner about. Cause if we're going to make it about what you like, then we need to do this for you. Or if we're going to make it, if you're having this huge birthday event for your wife, but you're worried about what your mom wants for dinner, well, this is your mom's birthday party, not your wife. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that's how, so that's how it starts is we talk about, you know, the event, 
the the person who's going to be honored what they actually like and then from there i curate the menu then once the menu is curated i send it over to you you approve the menu and then i send over the deposit information so once that's taken care of that actually secures and books your date and then the day of the event i show up with all of the ingredients and prepare everything on site so we show up anywhere from two to six hours before the event start just depending upon what we have to prepare, how many courses there are to prepare. So if uh, for two people, normally it takes about three hours beforehand because, you know, normally it's four to five courses for three people. And so that just takes a little time to prep all that stuff, man. Chop Because like nothing is done when I show up. I'm talking like only thing that is done is the vegetables have grown out of the ground and been picked and the animals are in the bag. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, once I do all of that, um, we uh, we use the pots and pans that you have available. I think because it um, one, it I think it adds a little bit more nostalgia to it because, you know, one day you're going to be washing that pot or your wife is going to use this pot. and She's going to say, like, babe. Do you remember when he came and he I cannot cook the steak like he did. I don't know how he did it in this pot. I don't know what he did. You know, so I think it's cool that you're also showing them what their kitchen is capable of. Yes, that part, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can do this in your kitchen. Yeah. How, if we went upstairs and went through our kitchen, I'm sure you'd be able to whip up something that it was beyond anything I could have imagined, because most things I cook in the kitchen are eggs and bacon. you know uh, katie gets creative but i'm more of like a breakfast guy right if i'm responsible for dinner we're having bfd breakfast for dinner (laughs) (laughs) it's my favorite meal of the day and i I pretty much uh rinse and repeat the same kind of stuff so i like scrambled eggs the most Mm -hmm. with that in mind can you give me any recommendations for how i might be able to spice up scrambled eggs 100 percent. so um i always use three eggs salt and pepper and if you're gonna do herbs I like dill, tarragon, and parsley. Mm. Yeah, fresh if possible. So we're going to just really whip these eggs in a bowl and add like for maybe one to two tablespoons of water or cream. I prefer cream. Uh, so then in the pot or or skillet, uh, you want a low heat. You don't want a really high heat. You want to melt the butter, not burn the butter. So like literally not medium, but just a little bit below medium, add the eggs. And as it's, as you start to scramble, pull them off the heat, scramble, put them back on the heat, scramble, pull them off the heat and scramble. So that on the heat, off the heat, what that does is it allows you to incorporate air into the egg to give it the lift. Mm. And you are not going to get that really done egg. So you will get that nice, fluffy, creamy, delicious scrambled egg. That's what I'm talking about. So there you go. Yes. Thank I hope you. that helps. <laughs> it, it absolutely will. I'm going to have to play this back to remember that recipe. But yes, I'll do it. Okay. And I'll let you know how it turns out. Please do, man. Speaking of uh, of ingredients, what's your favorite ingredient to cook with? Um, Seafood, fish, fish. I really love cooking fish. And I really love cooking fish because most people don't know how to cook it properly. And being from Florida, I grew up eating a ton of fish. So I just, I really love cooking fish. I really do. Like Chilean sea bass, red snapper. My personal favorite fish is, is sheephead. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, it lives closer to the bottom and it has teeth that looks like human teeth. And yes, it does. And it, and it crushes and eats oysters, clams, lobsters, shrimp, so stuff with shells on it. So it needs really hard teeth to do that. And it is a very sweet, meaty fish. That makes sense that it would be sweet and meaty because mm-hmm. something I learned a few years ago that I thought was so interesting is that, you know, they say that you are what you eat. Right. But you're also what your food ate. Yeah. So the diet that the animals that you eat ate is going to kind of determine how they taste and how healthy they are. So that's why they recommend, as far as health goes, you know, like a grass-fed, grass-finished beef as opposed to one that was fed corn and grain and all the junk food that they were eating. 100%. So for me, man, I grew up on a small farm. So, like, literally all of our animals were grass or, you know, and grain-fed. And so I did not eat a store-bought egg until I was 13. 
And so to like eat a store bought egg, I was like, "Ooh, these eggs are nasty. Why yeah. do they, why do they taste the, like the this? yellow part's not as yellow?" Yeah, yeah. And so and then like even now, um, I can't like physically. I just can't do chicken or beef that's just raised on whatever. Like I literally can't eat anything that's like not organic or grass fed or whatnot. It's just because over the years I've just trained my system, my body just doesn't like it. So yeah, I don't think anybody should be eating it. I don't even think they should be having it in food production. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we should be having cloned food. I don't even think high fructose corn syrup should exist. There's so many things that happen in our like like to to know that we live in the United States of America and like other countries in the world say you can't put these chemicals in there because it'll give our kids, you know, ADHD or it'll give our kids depression, like mental problems. It could physically stunt their growth, all kinds of stuff. But America says it's okay. That bothers me a lot. So 100%. If you look at the ingredients list of food for, uh, in Europe versus mm-hmm. the ingredients list here, so take an Oreo, for example. The ingredients list is twice as long for an Oreo as it is in Europe. And here's a uh, kind of a rule of thumb when you're shopping. The shorter the ingredient list, the healthier it's going to be for you. Yes, sir. Like you said, the further we veer away from nature, the worse that food is going to be for you. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the other thing, too. Like when I started this, I was like really conscious of like, okay, I can't I can't serve this person great value flower great value you know this is their anniversary there's no way i can look at this as something like you know every time i'm doing this it's about the profits you know the profits will come with the purpose and the purpose is to give you an amazing truly fine dining experience and fine dining literally means you're using the least amount of ingredients so they have to be the best and you want to highlight the flavors the textures of that carrot. So I can't use just a, a, a $2 bag of grown with pesticide carrots. No, I got to go pay four bucks for the rainbow organically grown carrots that, you know, did not go through that process because this carrot is only going to get the heat, maybe a little salt and maybe a little pepper because I want you to taste what a real carrot tastes like, you know, this, you may have never, you may never experience that again. Yeah. So that's the the premises behind like true fine dining. You're not supposed to fine dining is not taking, um, these low quality ingredients and then transforming them into something magnificent. No, it's taking this high quality ingredient and highlighting its high qualities. So it may not even be transformed and it might just literally be a carrot on the plate but it's going to be the absolute best tasting procured carrot you've ever had. Yeah. You right. can put lipstick on a pig, but you know, what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all about the ingredients. You got to start with the best mm-hmm. and you'll end with the best. Yes. 100%. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Tell me about a time that you've been working with a client that things just got totally unexpected, like something fun, something silly, something crazy happened when you were working with a client. Man. So it's two that really stick out for me. The first one was the night of my accident. That one, it wasn't anything with the client at all. It was me. And I'll never do this again. I went into, I remember leaving my home that night or that that afternoon. And I told my wife, I was like, because this was like my fourth client in like four days or something. It was like back to back to back. And so I was just, I I really, I didn't want to go. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to go. And she was like, why not? And I was like, I just don't feel like it. And I was not thankful. I was not appreciative of that opportunity. And that night, they they enjoyed the meal. Everything went well. And that night on the way back, I was in an accident, broke my head. So that one sticks out to me. Yeah, because of my lack of appreciation, man. Had I been appreciative of the opportunity to go into these people's homes to celebrate this gentleman's birthday and really, you know, because you get into the monotony. I got into the monotony of like, this is a job. It's going through the motions. Yes. Yeah. And so I'll never do that again. Um, and How, how'd the accident happen? What happened? Man, I was coming back from Huntsville. My GPS did not take me interstate on the way back for some reason. It took me all back roads because of where they lived. It was the interstate was like 15 miles, you know, out of the way. So it took me all back roads. So I'm from Florida. This is the last night of uh, Hurricane Ida. And 
man, I've driven in hurricanes, been, I mean, I'm from Florida, man. That's what we do. Yeah, like, you're a Florida man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it don't matter. It's rain. Okay, drive. <laughs> so, um, but you are now living in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, this is the base of the Appalachian Mountains, sir. This is not flat squares everywhere. These are these are mountains in, in, in turns. So I'm coming down this hill. Something says slow down. So I look at my speedometer. I'm doing 65. And when I look down at my speedometer and look up, I'm going the total opposite direction. I, I totally I don't know what happened. I'm hydroplaning at this point. So as I'm hydroplaning, I realize I'm like, OK, I'm hydroplaning. Let's not slam on the brakes. You know, let's like turn against this real slow. Let's regain control of the vehicle. By the time I got control of the vehicle and I'm going straight again, I am now going through a church parking lot. I see a sign. I dodged the sign because I was like, oh, property damage. Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, minim let's minimize this. Yeah, let's not do that. And then I see the road and I try to turn. I was like, I'm going too fast to just slam on brakes and turn back on the road. If I slam on the brakes, I'm I'm just gonna flip. So let's not do that. So um I see then as soon as I hit the road, I go across, I hit the ditch, and then on the other side of the ditch, there's a, a body of water. Um I have no idea what it is, how deep it is. To the right, I see a cement culvert. So I aim for that. Oof. Yeah, so I guess out of the two, <clears throat> I think I'd I'd make the same choice. You know, so when I hit the culvert, um I hit it. And I landed on top of it. Now, I thank God that that, that happened because the, the body of water, it was an eight-foot hole that was five feet full of water. So had I hit that, I would have... be underwater. Yeah, yeah. and I would have drowned. I wouldn't have... I probably wouldn't have made it because I, I can't swim. So I definitely would not be here today. Not only not being able to swim, is being strapped into a vehicle yeah. that's underwater. That's a big fear for a lot of people. Absolutely, bro. So I would I don't know what I would have done, man, had I had I hit that body of water. And uh when the so a lady, she witnessed the whole thing. I have no idea where this lady came from. I just heard her yelling, Sir, sir, don't move, don't move, you know, and I was like, Don't move, okay. She's telling me not to move. No, move. Like, what are you doing? You gotta move. So I open up my door. Well, first, I gather myself to, like, kind of figure out what's going on. So I've been seeing I've, I I go see a chiropractor pretty regularly and I started taking yoga. So I was, you know, I was in in a little bit of shape. So I knew, like, OK, let's get yourself together. So I just kind of calm myself to, like, do a quick analysis of, like, if I'm hurt anywhere. And as soon as I took that breath in. And got ready to let it out. My right hip just starts screaming. It's lit up. Yeah. So I just start cussing. Like, ah, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm like, what? So I was like, okay, okay, you got to get out of the truck. So I open the door and I try to move my leg. And I'm like, oh, God, my hip. And then the next thing that went through my mind, I was like, was Bo Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Bo Jackson. He, he, he had his hip replaced. Bo Jackson, he was breaking bats across his leg <laughs> yeah. with a. I was like, okay, I'm getting out of this truck. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> and um, so, man, I tried to get out, and this lady's yelling, don't move, don't move. And so, as soon as I opened the door, I put my left foot out to like step out, and it was just all water. And I was like, okay, don't move. I see what she's saying now. So, my truck was um, sitting on top of the um, cement culvert. And literally, like, I'm two feet away from falling into the, like, wow, pew, yeah. So when they came, so she ended up, I, all my, both of my phones were damaged, so I couldn't call anybody. There was no 911. Uh, when I hit too, man, I see all my pots and pans and knives flying from the back. Yeah, so I, I, it all went in slow motion. That could have been bad. Yeah. Flying knives in mm. your vehicle. Yeah, I had them all in my case, and somehow that just, it just was all over the place. And so, um, so they got me to the hospital, man, pumping me full of like fentanyl and all kind of drugs. And, uh, so they, they did my hip surgery, uh, the very next day. And so, you know, then I went through the year of rehab. So that's the one, I think, in like the second one that I really remember. I did a ladies' night, and um, well, it was like a ladies' brunch, and all I will say is that it was very revealing. <laughs> like it was, you know, and I and man, honestly, I prayed to God. I was like, all right, God, listen, 
I'm, I want to do this personal chef thing. I really do. But I don't want those kind of clients. I don't want I don't want to be the chef that they call and like, chef, take your shirt. No. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to do that. So that was that was that was the other one. So that's that that was that was kind of I was like, whoa, why wait, 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 no, please don't. You know, yes, yeah, so they were offering you some extracurricular opportunities there. Yeah, so I was like, Thank you, ladies. Y'all have a great night. Yeah. See you next I'm time. I'm flattered, but yeah, no, no. Yes. <laughs> great. Yes, man. Yeah. What's a food that you love to cook but hate to eat? Pork. Okay. I, I, I should have already known that. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. Because like at one time, at one time, I refused to cook pork because I had an incident where I cooked a ham for someone, and I um I had a small nick on my finger, just a very small nick, and I got some of the juice off of that ham hit that nick and got into my bloodstream and i had never i was so curdled over in pain for like an hour just sitting there just just like gut-wrenching in pain unable to like get off of my bedroom floor for about 30 minutes Oof. and i was just like this is horrible and i was trying to figure out i was like i didn't eat it what happened oh my you know and it was that so pork is probably the one thing that i don't enjoy cooking but I definitely, I definitely know how to do it. I just yeah, don't, yeah. yeah, I just don't enjoy it. What about foods that you hate to cook but love to eat? Hate to cook, uh, but love to. <laughs> Man, um, you know, uh, anything that takes over two hours. So, like, if I got to roast something or if I got to braise something, I got to do this slow cooking process on something. I hate that because I don't want to be in the kitchen for four hours cooking my dinner. Now, for you, I'm game because you've 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 solicited services. Yeah. <laughs> but for me personally, I don't want to be in the kitchen all day. I literally want to get in there two hours max for dinner or whatever. So if I got to spend more than that in there, I'm really not a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. So at home, it's literally like chicken breast, chicken thighs, steak, spaghetti and meatballs, pasta, just really quick stuff that I can do that's not going to wreck my diet. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> I had gotten this new grill when we moved into this house. And it's one of those, it's, it's an easy bake oven. It's a Traeger grill. You know, you set it and forget it. It's almost like cheating. I can't really consider myself a, a pit master grilling on a Traeger grill. But anyway, we're having a family gathering. I committed to um, to smoking a brisket. Mm. I had never been a, you know, I've cooked a, a million steaks, a million chicken breasts, the basic stuff, but I'd never really like long smoked a big piece of meat like that. Mm -hmm. So I committed to it and then I researched it and then I realized how long it was going to take. 12 so, hours. It, yeah, it really was. So mm -hmm. I ended up having to set an alarm for 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. I had to put it on and then get up every two hours, spritz the thing with apple cider vinegar and lemon and whatever else it was. And I will say the finished product was really good. But it wasn't 12 hours good. That's what I'm saying, brother. Like, I, I'm with you 100%. I've never smoked a brisket. I don't ever plan on smoking a brisket unless, like, you're going to pay me to do it. Seriously. Yeah, I'm going to let yeah. Rodney Scott handle that for me. Right. Right. It's a long process. Like, um, even, even like, cooking turkey, like, doing a turkey for Thanksgiving. That's why I only do it at Thanksgiving. It's a two-day process. I'm, I'm going to brine this turkey for at least 24 to 48 hours. And then yeah. I got to take it out, wash it off. And then I'm going to airbrine it. So that means that I'm going to put it in the uh, in the fridge uncovered so some of the moisture, so all of that moisture can just really seep into the bird. Yeah, just kind of let it dry out a little because, you know, when you're roasting, um, even dry brine your steaks, just put a little salt on them and throw them on a uh, cooling rack on top of a cookie sheet. Just throw it in the fridge two days. You will be amazed at how much more juicy and how much more flavorful your steak is. Mm. But yeah, it's a really cool process. It's just like it's a quick dry age, basically. So let the turkey do that for a day after it's been brining, and then I gotta roast it. Yeah, I love y'all a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must have to. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Thanksgiving, man, I've been thinking about starting a petition to make cornbread dressing. Not just available on Thanksgiving. Oh, I man. want that, man. It's probably one of my very favorite foods. I want to have that part of the weekly cuisine, man. Will you sign that petition? I will sign that petition. <laughs> so I, so I love the holidays just for the uh, the family and the food. 
Uh, I'm really not a big holiday person. Um, it's crazy that, like, you know, during my life, a lot of uh, tragedies have happened around the holidays. Yeah, so I'm really not big in the holidays. But I love, you know, gathering with families and the food. And that's one thing that I do think, like, we could change. It's like, why do I have to do, like, turkey and dressing just on Christmas or Thanksgiving? Why can't I eat this today? Or why do I have to do all these special pies? Yeah, May 3rd. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, so what? Yeah, let's do it today. Why yeah. not? Yeah, so I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I think it's the, the amount of time that it takes. And, like, you know, because uh, to do a whole Thanksgiving dinner for, like, let's say six to eight people in your family, that's that's a three-day process, you know, for the average cook. I mean, I can knock it out in a day, but the average home cook, that's about three or four days of work, seriously. That's what I was going to ask. Do you ever do <clears throat> holidays for people? I do. I do. Um, I did um, – client hired me uh, for Christmas. Her family, her dad was in the hospital uh, the previous Christmas and then the previous Christmas for that. Um, her mom and dad had gotten divorced. And then the previous Christmas, it was just like they haven't spent a Christmas together in like three or four Christmases. And so um, I did a seven course dinner for their entire family. Uh, it took me I mean, I got there like uh, at one in the afternoon. First course went out at seven. I was out of their home by like ten. Yeah, it's so, a solid day. Yeah, very solid day. But I, you know, I went to the grocery store. Uh, that got to the grocery store that morning at uh, let's see, about ten thirty, eleven, and I was at their home by one, and had, and I was out by, you know, it's a regular ten hour day, man. Like it's um a lot of people, it's a lot of work, but it's really not. I'm just grocery shopping. Everybody that eats grocery shops. And everybody that eats should cook. And so that's all I'm doing. Plus, I'm elevating the experience. That's the work for me is to make sure that I leave your house clean, make sure I'm giving you, you know, I'm crossing all the T's and dotting the I's. The food, that takes care of itself, but the experience is really where I where I hone in at. So say there's a guy, uh-huh. me, <laughs> okay. who uh, maybe he wanted to have a special night for his lady, not necessarily an event, not a birthday, just a special uh, date night. A date night, yeah. Yeah. So say this guy... Maybe he didn't really know what would be the best meal to serve. Could he say, surprise me? Absolutely. So, I mean, literally now for this guy, um, does is, is there anything that his wife likes? And I only ask about her because as guys, if it's peanut butter and jelly, beans and weenies, a glass of water, that's dinner. All right. Sure. Bre right. Breakfast. Right. Yeah. Let me get some eggs and bacon, dinner, toast. Great. I'm good. Totally happy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. So for her, is there anything that she likes? Oh yeah, yeah. She would. Uh, I mean, huge fan of just a good solid ribeye. Gotcha. I would. I would definitely do a um, start. Like my suggestion would be, if she likes ribeye, let's go with a tomahawk bone-in ribeye. Uh, let's do like a um, a light grill on it just to get the smoke flavor. Then we'll finish it in the oven. Uh, make sure it's a perfect like medium. No more than like yeah, we're gonna do medium. And then, you know, I would actually slice it, leave it, present it with the bone, serve like a nice um, aju sauce to go with that. And, yeah, some really nice vegetables, maybe like a, a true garlic smashed potato. Uh, literally, we're going to take the potatoes and bake them, let them cool, peel them, put them through a ricer with the roasted garlic, add the salt, the pepper, butter, a little cream, perfect potatoes, and do some really nice sauteed vegetables. Yep. Nice, yeah. nice. I nice. mean, if she likes steak, man, because most you know, if she likes steak. That's we need to do a really nice steak. Got to. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to really take her too far out of what she likes. Because what I've learned too is when women like things, just give them what they like. It's that simple. It's that simple. Whether you like it or not, you still are gonna get. What you gonna do? She like tuna fish. What you gonna do? You gonna learn to like tuna fish <laughs> and eat it and shut up and be like, "Thanks, babe. That's Keep it. moving." Like, am I hungry? Am I starving? No. So I'm good. 
So what, now that we've got the menu set, are we just going to eat this at the coffee table in front of the TV? Or? If you want to, or I'll serve you right there at the table. If you want to come in there and have a conversation with me, if you want to crack a bottle of wine and just, you know, just relax and just be like, hey, the baby's gone. It's just her and I and the and chef here tonight. Let's just make this an adult night. Then I got you. So you'll stay and hang out? I Absolutely. I mean, it's so for me, man, your it's your experience. How do you want this to be remembered? You just want somebody to come in and cook? Because I've even had clients that were like, yeah, chef, you can just do your thing and we're going to hang out over here. So they really wanted it to be private for them. It was their uh, their anniversary. They were in the dining room. I'm in the kitchen. They're in there being totally private. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going back to check on them. He's whispering yeah. sweet nothing. All here. of that. Like, yeah. they don't want me around just to bring <laughs> the food. And then after it's all done, they give me a really uh, a really nice tip and give me a, like, $100 bottle of whiskey. And, like, chef, this was so amazing. And I'm like, I ain't do nothing but cook the food. And like, <laughs> okay, thank you so much. This was great, you know? But, and then some people... They want to just they just want to pick your brain like, so, chef, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm like, you know, and then other people, they want to serve me. They're like, chef, can I get anything for you? Can I do something for you? And I'm like, I just drove up here to serve you. I'm good. Thank you, though. Thank you, though. You know, so, yeah. What is it that makes a chef so good at just knowing what works well with what? Is it something that you learn or is it just kind of like an intuition that you have or do you start out following recipes and then you just take it on your own or how does that work? So uh, for me, my my grandmother told me three simple rules when she uh, started teaching me how to cook. Rule number one is keep your heat low and not too high. She said it's okay to cook it longer, but just don't burn it. You know, so if your steak, you know, you're cooking it on a lower heat and it takes longer to cook, it's way better than turning it up and, you know, having a burn steak. Second rule was uh, you need uh, seasonings and flavor for everything, and they are different. So salt is a seasoning, but it tastes like salt. That's its flavor, you know. But you add this salt to something, it should help pull out the flavor of whatever you just added to. So it should really help that that carrot or that steak or that corn or whatever is going on tastes more like what it is. So that's the flavor of that item. So it's a flavor enhancer. Yeah, yeah. Salt really should be. So like herbs, those are going to add flavor. You know, that's a seasoning that's going to add flavor to whatever it is. So it should complement whatever you're adding it to. And then the third thing she told me is put love in everything. So that's my foundation. Now, outside of that, I am a huge science person. I've always loved science, everything science. Because of that, I learned the science of food. And I'm an artist, too. So I've always been into the arts. I love music. I love drawing. I love painting. I go, as a matter of fact, today, my son and I are going to the Birmingham Museum of Art. So I love the arts. And so to me, I get to put this science and artistic creativity in one platform, and it's the plate. That's what cooking really is, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a combination of arts and science. It is. It really is. Like, as a chef, you know, you should have a really good foundation to know that, like, dill doesn't go with beef all that well. <laughs> Hey, that's news to me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, why I'm not a chef. Yeah, you know, dill is great in salads. Dill is great on fish. Dill is great in dressings. Uh, dill is great with poultry. It's just not great with beef. I like it in chicken salad. Yeah, see, it's great. It's great there, but just not in beef. Or, or you know, it can even go with pork. Just don't go well with beef or lamb. Now, lamb is a different animal. Lamb, you can actually, uh, man, lamb, I can put mint cilantro parsley some dill tarragon nutmeg um gram marsala fennel all these different herbs on lamb that i wouldn't even put on beef and they eat the same grass how could someone develop their palate because you know a chef would have like an advanced palate and be able to taste something and say oh this has notes of blah 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 how can someone get better at that tasting food literally um you have to like for me, what got me better was literally buying all these different herbs and trying them and then combining. OK, I like the way I like the way tarragon tastes. I'm like, how would this taste if I combine it with dill and paprika 
and mustard seed and fennel and all of these different herbs, how can I still keep the tarragon highlighted in my seafood blend that I do? So that's that you really have to start tasting stuff. That makes yeah, sense. A lot of it. What was the first meal that you ever cooked professionally? Oh, wow. Okay. So first meal I ever cooked professionally. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I, I, so first, my very first booking, I was working at T-Mobile and, uh, one of the, uh, one of my peers, she hired me for her and her husband's anniversary. She was like, you do, you cater date nights and stuff, right? I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I do. Uh, it was, um, two steaks, ribeyes. Hers was rare. His was medium. There was a, um, what did I do? I did a spinach and artichoke wonton cups. And for dessert, I did this. Um, I found this recipe from um, what was that? Uh, what's that big show that was on HBO about the dragons? Oh, and, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. I found this recipe from Game of Thrones that was like this lemon cake where you take a take a real thin slice of lemon. You candy the lemon. The lemon goes in the bottom. You pour the cake on top. And once it bakes, the lemon kind of bakes and gets all gooey and stuff. And then you flip it out. And then you got like this nice sauce that runs down the cake and everything. So, and, wait, the recipe was from Game of Thrones. What, they had cooked it in the show? Or this is like an ancient recipe? Yeah, it's like a, a old recipe, you know. And it was like tying Games of Thrones together and all that kind of stuff. So, I was like, all right, cool. Let me, let me try this recipe. Man, honestly, looking back on it. I was like, I would never, because I cooked it and then I delivered it. So it was date night catering. So I was cooking and delivering like your date night. And looking back on it, they loved the food. They were like, oh man, this is so delicious. Man, you cooked the steak perfect, the seasoning, blah, blah, blah. But man, it was so horrible. I showed up in like a black t-shirt. Um, I still had on the apron from where I was in the kitchen prepping this food, you know, my shoes were, um, I had on some black Nike air force ones. Um, I'm, <laughs> Oh my God. You were, you asked me, man. And I'm sitting here just like, man, critiquing it. Yeah, man. Are, I you, was, are you perfectionist? I, I, so yeah, not really, not like perfectionist, but like, I, I just want to be the best at whatever I do. And um, that it's I just have a high level of accountability for myself in that regards. And so when um, when I look back on it and I see how much I've grown, um, I thank you for this moment, though, man, because you really have um, helped me see how much I've grown like in this moment, because now it's now I wear like, you know, these um, designer print shirts and I got like, uh, you know, these cool aprons and. You know, I'm wearing Cole Hans in your home to cook in. And you know what I'm saying? Because, like, this is a fine dining experience, man. I'm not showing up in chef shoes. For what, man? That's for a kitchen, not your house. Yeah. So so when you show up now, what, what's your attire like? My attire? So uh, I have two brands of shirts that I wear. One is uh, Paul Frederick, and the other one is Paisley and Gray. Yes, I'm shouting y'all out. Um, so, um, I got one of their jackets. It's, man, it's nice. Yeah, I love their, I love their style, man. Yeah. And so um, I just love the bold print shirts because I get to wear this wild, funky shirt. Because I just told myself that I didn't go to culinary school I didn't grow up. I didn't uh, cut my teeth in the rigors of the restaurant, you know, like having Gordon Ramsay yelling at you, throwing your food against the wall and telling you how bad you suck. Yeah. I didn't go through any of that. I heard him say one time, he said, this chicken is so undercooked, a skilled veterinarian can bring it back to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't I didn't go through that. And so I was like, I want to respect all the chefs that do wear that chef's coat and did have the um the courage to go to culinary school or the resources and had the courage to like start from washing dishes and go and go through the ranks like i have all the respect in the world for you so i don't want to tarnish um their hard work and putting on the chef's coat so that's why i wear an apron are there any other chefs in birmingham that you kind of uh you really like what they're doing yeah um chef time randall at um Oh man, I forgot the name of the uh um the place. Oh my it's in it's in Avondale. So it's a really cool uh gin bar. So time uh really helped me get over the whole like I'm allergic to pork and I'm not gonna cook pork thing because he's a vegan. 
Mm, and okay. he, he hasn't he has never consumed uh animal products like he's been a vegan from birth no kidding yes man so he's never had it he's like he, he's like i've tasted chicken one time and he was like that's it he was like but he knew like he just knows how to cook i hired him to to cook for my wife's birthday party I wish I could. Juniper. Juniper of Birmingham. Oh, yeah, yeah. We like yeah. Juniper. It's yeah, good. so yeah, the head chef, his name is Time Oh, Randall. I know. I've, I've met him. Yeah. Dreads, so, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. So good guy. There's, uh, so when Highland Bar and Grill, their, their head chef, I can't remember his name, but um, just to, I ate there is once. Is that Frank Stitt or is that the other? Chris Hastings, one of those two, I think. Yeah, I haven't, and I haven't eaten Chris Hastings' food, but I've heard all kinds of great things about him. Um, and then uh, Chef, uh, the tasting table, Chef Tyler uh, Lynn. I actually went to his supper club, and he did a uh, seven-course dinner, me and my wife. And, uh, man, I was just, I was blown away by a freaking cauliflower. I was like, bro. What did you do? Yeah, you got to do something to it. Yeah, I was like, wow. He did a uh, he did a uh, a five day bolognese. So anytime a chef tells you like this is a a, a seventy two hour um, ribeye or this is a five day bolognese, that's how long it took them to take all the preparation steps to it for it to be on your plate. Wow. So they cooked the bolognese sauce for five days. Okay. Um, the melding of flavors in that was so phenomenal. The smoothness of the sauce was, was beyond anything that I'd ever eaten in my life. And so then they took and made a, um, pasta sheet and then they put the sauce in the pasta sheet and then they rolled it. Okay. Like you, like instead of layering lasagna, they rolled it. Yeah, okay. And then they cut it into sections, round sections. And then they baked those round sections. So each section got what everybody likes about lasagna, the crispiness of it. And then that went on top of a vodka sauce on the plate. And then that got topped with a little bit more vodka sauce, the fresh basil, and uh, some parmesan cheese that had been aged for like five six years or something like that some crazy expensive cheese and that was it with a basil leaf on top man you're you're inspiring me to try some new things with food because you know you get into the same patterns of just mm-hmm. the same things or whatever's easy whatever uh whatever is efficient whatever takes the least time that's kind of how i've operated in the kitchen but now you're making me want to try some new things in there so i'm looking forward to that man that's what's up man i i'm i'm glad to know that and like even with myself i'll tell you man every chef will tell you that when they're at home you grab a sandwich because it's there i have some boiled eggs in the fridge okay i'll just eat that you know chop it up eat that whatever um chefs really don't spend a lot of time caring for their own meals the way they care for other people's meals. Just like being married to a massage therapist. People yeah. are like, oh, man, you must get all the massages you want. And they're nah, like, no, no, never actually. Because that's the last <laughs> thing they want to do when they get home. Right, 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 right. So today it's at, when I get home today, we're gonna, I'm going to um, I'm going to do a, a basil pesto chicken pasta. Really easy though, man. I've got I've got chicken breasts. See, this is the other thing too. So in my house, I've got frozen chicken in my fridge. I've got um some frozen steaks in a in a Ziploc bag, you know, so they don't get freezer burned in my fridge. But I'm never bringing that to your home. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still live just like everyone else does. I don't go shopping every day, um, but it's just it's just unrealistic in today's today's world. So, but yeah, I'm going to, so just take the, the chicken breast. I'm going to butterfly it so it cooks a little quicker. Once it's done, I'm just going to do a pan sear on it, salt, pepper. And my favorite go-to is Herbe de Provence over a, an Italian blend. I just think the, so the French and Italians don't like each other. <laughs> you know, the French has pasta. The, no, the Italians have pasta. The French don't. Uh, yeah, the croissants. Croissants. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And 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 the Italians have pizza. 
you know, somebody, you know, they got these foreign cars. The French has this foreign car. They got this clothing. They got that clothing. So they really don't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally, a lot of competition there. Yeah. 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 It really is. And so, uh, but I'm just going to do a really quick pasta tonight, a basil pesto chicken pasta, uh, pan seared chicken breast, slice it up, uh, add a little pesto, basil pesto sauce, a little heavy whipping cream to that, take that and then add the fresh pasta to it. And boom, there's dinner. That sounds good. Do you like venison? I do. I do. I really do. Man, I love I like venison. I like uh bison. I've never tried elk, but I really would like to. I found it to be pretty chewy. Maybe I didn't have it prepared the correct way, but it was a little bit tough. But I'm gonna send you home with some venison. I got a freezer full. Oh so nice. If you man. like it, yeah. Got a couple Thanks. pounds. All right, cool. I'm gonna have to like figure out something to do and hook it up and like we're gonna have to break bread over that. Let's do it. Yeah. That sounds good. Seriously. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for doing the podcast, man. Thank I really you, man. enjoy getting to chat with you. And once again, how can people find you? Yeah, so you can visit me at uh, datenightdining.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. So date night. It's a great name. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. And then uh, I have a direct uh, business number, which is 205-223-2309. You can also Google Date Night Dining, and you will find all of my socials, my Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. I'll also link to those in the show notes so people can just scroll down on this podcast on Apple or Spotify and then click it and they'll get right to you. So, Sounds good. Good Sounds deal. Good. We'll have to do it again soon. Man, we do. Next time I come, you got to let me cook. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> got to let me cook. Sounds good, man. Enjoy the art museum with your son. I'll Thanks, talk to you man. soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.